0: Hi there, and welcome to Fantasy for the Ages, the show where father and son sit down and talk about stuff in fantasy books. I'm the son of that equation,
1: Zach, and that makes me the father, Jim. Thanks for joining us today for another one of our episodes focused on Robert Jordan's The Wheel of Time. We're diving back into The Dragon Reborn, book three of this fantastic series. We've got three chapters to cover today. Before we get into that, how are you doing today, son? I'm doing pretty well. I just failed to get the gnat of the episode. So
0: a little less well than I was a moment ago. I saw.
1: I was like, what are you doing?
0: <laughs> I just got back from meeting slash visiting with Rach, my girlfriend's parents. Dun,
1: dun, so dun,
0: Here's hoping they liked me. Yes. In other news, I also almost accidentally killed a little like gecko inside my apartment, thinking it was a cockroach. Ooh but Ooh, we did not kill it we just yay. released it back outside it was very cute i did not get a picture though you didn't name it fred uh, no if it decides to come back because it's cooler in here than outside maybe then i'll name it okay. but at that point i'll like go buy a terrarium or something
1: <laughs> enough about me how are you dad well before i talk about me i have one more question about you uh, we reported last time you did get a job i did when do you start working have you started working no, I've got a couple more days still.
0: We are recording this one not too many days after the last one. And in fact, I don't think there's been any working days between the two recordings. But just a couple days. And But by the end of the week, I've done multiple days work. All
1: right. Very good. We'll look for the next update. Hoping that you are enjoying and not already hating your job. Fingers crossed. I am doing great. It's been just a holiday Fantastic. weekend. Didn't have to work today still. Just been chilling and hanging out with your mom. Your sister came over for yesterday. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to work either. It was nice. I grilled. We ate. We drank. We made merry. And we watched a movie. We actually watched the uh, Disney Plus version, Cruella. I have not seen it yet. Yeah, we were surprised to find it was actually quite entertaining. So I recommend. Yes, that music is in there.
0: Is it really? It's not going to be in the rest of our episode because we don't want the mouse coming after
1: us. But besides that, it's it's a fun song. That's right. Now, I saw you were drinking something today. What you doing? What are you drinking? Yes. It's not
0: long past my birthday, so by sheer coincidence, I'm drinking something from my birthplace. uh, A wine out of Lodi. This is a sparkling rosé.
1: Nice. Nothing too fancy, but Nice. Your sister brought over a sparkling rosé yesterday as well, not from Lodi, but from her workplace. And she works at a liquor store and gets free booze to specifically try out Woo. to increase her palate so she can talk to the customers.
0: We help her with that. And because it's at home and not like in store, she actually gets to drink it.
1: Yes. Yes, totally. My drink today, one of our tails, is called Good as Gold. Ooh, what's that? It's a martini. It, it matches the color. Right. I got that right for once. <laughs> As opposed to the black aja's secret, you know, that was red. Do I get some guesses of what's so, in it? Yeah, go ahead. Guess what's in it.
0: Um, I'm going to guess the gold doesn't come from like a gold rum or tequila, but rather actually from like a whiskey or bourbon or something.
1: No. No. Nope, I'm wrong. The base of the Darn, Yeah, the base hoping. of the martini is a vodka. Okay. But then there's three other alcohols in it that almost equal the vodka. And that's where the colors come from. There's uh, a portion of Grand Marnier,
0: mm-hmm. a
1: portion of Dry Vermouth, and okay. a per- portion of Amaretto. Okay. Anything else? So with the Amaretto, I'm pretty sure, Giorgio, this is one you would enjoy. Check out the recipe and give it a shot. Shaken, not stirred? Definitely shaken. All right. I have just one piece of news for today. All right, what do we got? Well, I'm simply emphasizing the buzz around the Wheel of Time fandom that has just continued to go on and on after the Wheel of Time teaser trailer came out. It's been so much fun. Definitely. Uh, overall, people seem just as thrilled about this trailer as you and I do. I've seen some, you know, things on Twitter, people nagging on a couple little tidbits, but most of us are like, seriously? Seriously? Really? Did you watch the same trailer we did? It looks awesome. We're just excited it's going to come out in November. And for a further breakdown
0: of what we think, our various opinions, and my dad going, really? To my occasional, eh, I didn't really like this or that or something. Then uh, stay tuned for the next episode, when we will be sharing our thoughts, feelings, and opinions. I'm assuming that's the order release. It It might actually be uh, before
1: it. No, in the release episode, that will have already come out. Well, congrats. Right you before listened this
0: one. you to our wonderful take <laughs> on the Wheel of Time trailer. And um, I'm excited to this whole time travel stuff. It's
1: It's hard, you know? <sighs> okay, so we are going to do this recording, this episode now. We're going to take a brief break. And then we're going to come back to do our midweek special that will drop before this one all about the teaser trailer. I'm looking forward to that too. So if you're listening to this episode, you've already heard it. Congrats. So to get to that, we need to get through three chapters of The Dragon Reborn. Shall we begin? Chapter 16, Hunters 3. We're still seeing things from Egwene's point of view for this chapter. And what we see at the start is our group in Nynaeve's room. And It's a noticeably larger room than what we're used to in the novices' quarters. This is over in the Accepted. Yeah, they do have some benefits. It's almost like they've been, I don't know, accepted into something? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, they're not just measly novices who might wash out anymore. That's right.
0: It's a little bit more investment. Now,
1: why are they here? Well, Egwene and Nynaeve came here after that incident that happened in the novices' quarters. You know, where somebody, like tried to kill them. I mean, just a little. And that someone turned out to be a gray man, uh, a being of the shadow. Terrifying. Yes. Uh, And if you remember, they also detected there must have been another gray man Mm -hmm. because someone killed the first one before they could question him and the crossbow bolt that had been shot at them. Mysteriously disappeared. Had to be retrieved by somebody. So they move along. They go, we're not sticking around the novices' quarters, especially since Sherryam Sadai, who had mysteriously showed up, said, move along, move along. So they head to Nynaeve's room, and walking in, they find Elaine. Mm -hmm. They'd gone to check on Elaine in her room, and she wasn't there. Well, she'd gone to Nynaeve's room. She didn't want to be alone. Why? Well, partly, we can tell by looking at her eyes. Mm -hmm. They're all red from, well, she's been to the mistress of novices'. What happens there, Zach?
0: Well, you get your butt whooped. Literally. I mean, there's no nice way. I mean, there is a nice way to say it, but it's just kind of euphemistic. Truthfully, uh, they go, they get bent over, and a slipper beats them until they learn their lesson.
1: Yes. I don't like it. And the beating tends to be profound. They squeal, they kick, they yell, they cry. So she has been bawling her eyes out. But that's not the only reason her eyes are red. No, she's also ticked. Yeah, looking in the room, she's not alone. Also in Nynaeve's room, we have Galad and Gawain, her brothers. And she's angry. She's ticked, as you said. Mm -hmm. And we're going to find out why. But before they can experience anything about that... The first thing they experience walking in is Galad, glad to see Egwene, walking right up to her, taking her hand, expressing, oh, how good it is to see you. We're kind of getting a reminder that he's kind of got a crush on her. And let's be real, he's a kiss ass. Really? That's how you describe Galad? Absolutely. This man is the teacher's pet. A teacher's pet, however, strikes me as the person who's always sucking up to the teacher, as opposed to someone who just genuinely is a good guy. Whether it is intentional or not, whether it was
0: for a malicious reason or a valid good reason, Galad is still the guy who, if he weren't impressive and could beat you up, would be getting put in the toilet, nice swirly, or dumped into a locker or a trash can or a dumpster. He's getting picked on for being the snitch. The one who goes and rats them out to teacher. Flamingo Sedai in
1: Discord totally agrees with you. 100% the teacher's pet. That's what Flamingo Sedai says. But I'm like, yeah, um, no swirlies for Galad. Because he can totally whoop anyone's butt who tries to touch him. Between being hunky and being able to bench, like,
0: the biggest warder, no one's gonna beat him up. Not really.
1: Well, and you also have the issue that being the most beautiful man in the world, all the women around would rise up and pretty much tear limb from limb. Anyone who would hurt a a hair on his head, I think. Or even worse, (laughs) silent treatment. If he's so wonderful and, you know, Egwene, she's like, ha 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 ha, when he does pay her attention again. Why is Elaine so angry at their presence? Well, we find out. They want to know where Elaine's been. They've been pressing her for information, and she refuses to say. She says it's none of their business. As is her right, and she was told not to tell anyone. They had found her out there in the general area of the tower, and Mm -hmm. she wouldn't say anything, and she headed to Nynaeve's room, and they won't let go. They followed her all the way here. They, They just, they're like a dog with a bone. They will not give up now, and it's driving her nuts.
0: The brothers need to learn that no means no. She's not going to tell them, and they need to respect that. But they don't want to. They're curious. They think they have a right to it, and they don't. Well, they believe they do. They've got a legitimate beef here. They believe they do. They don't. They have a legitimate beef. They believe they have a right. They don't really have a right to this information. Not really. I
1: think this is an arguing point, though, to be honest. When Elaine's mom... Queen Morghese came to the tower, having heard Elaine was missing. She was furious, demanding to have Elaine back. And, okay, she's not here. Well, then I'm I'm going and I'm going to take my boys with me. We heard earlier, Gawain and Galad talked her down. Well, the only way they talked her down was with the assurance that they would wait for Elaine to show up. And then since Elaine now is going to have to stay to finish her training to a degree where she'll be safe, she won't, you know, Mm -hmm. die from accessing the power, that they would be there to protect her. And they're like, so, okay, if we're going to protect you, we need to know what you were mixed up in. We have a right to know. We cannot fulfill our obligation to our mother and you With a dearth of information. I think that's fair.
0: I think that's legit. You saying that, everything you said is fair. I think that gives both of them way too much credit for why they truthfully don't (laughs) let this go. They're being intentionally nosy. They want to know. And it's not just a, oh, I have a duty or I can't do my job if I don't know. No, they, they want to know. They're curious. I would want to know. Wouldn't you want to know? That doesn't give me the right to know. Just because I want to doesn't give me the right. I think so. And when, quite literally, the most authoritative person in this entire city, possibly the world, has told you tell no one, I think she's in her right
1: place to say, no, I'm not going to tell you. But you know, she's not just some person who can just go ahead, disappear for a few months, come back, and it's no big deal. She's the friggin' daughter heir of Andor. She has an obligation to her country, to her queen, her mother, and therefore to her brothers. I think they have a right to know. If
0: Queen Morgaze were here knocking down the door and wanting to know, she could plead a case and talk to the Omerlin Sea and they could figure it out and figure out who has the right to say yes or withhold information. But Gawain and Galad are very elevated and glorified bodyguards who don't have a right to ask that question. Not really.
1: They they absolutely want to, but I don't think they have the right. Look, Okay, we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. I think they do. I don't think it's unreasonable. I think Elaine is being unreasonable. And I think it is the typical pattern in this whole story that people don't talk to each other which causes problems well that is the funky
0: thing though you said you don't think that they're being unreasonable i don't think they're being unreasonable i still don't think that gives them the right to demand and know it being reasonable and having the right are two separate things in my brain
1: our listeners are getting that taste of how we can debate something all day long if we wanted to and just enjoy the the argument but i think we should move on okay Now, part of why they believe they do have a right to the information is so that they can properly protect her and they feel there is a a true need for protection because things have gone badly in the tower, including murders. There's actually been murders of people here and even rumors of Black Aja. So, huh, you know, real danger. We really have to protect you and we need to know as much as we can to do that well. She, Elaine remains furious that they even think she needs protection. Mm -hmm. How dare you? (laughs) I'm like, okay, super Elaine, thinking you're all powerful. That being
0: said, if Black Aja were to come after Elaine, Galad and Godwin could do basically nothing. But that doesn't mean Elaine could do anything either. So,
1: (laughs) yeah. Now, part of what makes this, you know, irritation rises also the fact that Elaine can't stand Galad. That's a long-standing thing. Why can't she stand Galad? She has no problem with Gawain, but Galad, what's the issue again? This goes back to the teacher's pet. He's the narc. He's going to do what he believes
0: to be right. He sees the world in black and white, and he will stand on that side of
1: white no matter what. No matter who it hurts, he'll do what's right. That's a major part of it. I think, and the book doesn't say this... A lot, but I think deep down part of it, too. The book doesn't say this at all. I know what you're going for, and the book does not say this. Wow, you read my mind? I think so. That he's not her not full Not her real brother. brother, yeah. That he's only her half-brother, you know? The book
0: does not say that at all. He's, he's
1: not. I, I don't want to acknowledge that. I like Gawain. He's my brother. You're the one. No, nah, I don't even want to talk it about
0: It does not him. suggest that. She does stick to the whole, like, Uh, he's my half-brother, and emphasizes it, but I think it's more she doesn't like him, so she emphasizes it, not she doesn't like him because of it. She uses that as an excuse to distance
1: herself from him because she doesn't like him. Well, again, we read into it what we want to read into it. (laughs) At this point, Gawain turns to Nynaeve and says, you know, come on, we're really not the bad guys here. We're only trying to fulfill Mother's wish and keep elaine safe kind of trying to get Nynaeve to take their side a little bit because he feels elaine's really being unreasonable how does that work what does Nynaeve do well Nynaeve iterates my point really says that
0: my true point here is she's going elaine doesn't owe them this she doesn't owe them a thing more than she wants to say and in fact
1: get out <laughs> that's exactly where she goes now, I don't think that makes the case stronger because how often do we side with Nynaeve as the reasonable one?
0: I actually
1: <laughs> do more often than not, but I don't think you do. <laughs> well, they try to press for more information and Nynaeve, she told him to get out. So she's not standing for that. She drops a threat. I'm gonna... I think I might just report you for being in the acceptance quarters without permission. I'm like, well, uh... Okay, uh what and Okay, that pretty much gets them to scurry out of the Mm -hmm. room. Nynaeve does the age old trick whenever you deal with toddlers when you start counting. Mm Mm-hmm. Starts a countdown. Yep. As that countdown's going on, Galad does throw in though, you know, if you need anything at any point though, really we are here to help. Just say the word and we'll be there. Nynaeve doesn't even slow down the counting. So literally, as she starts to say three, they run out of the room. Elaine is like, oh, goody, that was great, Nynaeve. I didn't even know there was a rule like that, that they can't be here without permission. And Nynaeve's like, yeah, there isn't, but yeah. they don't know that. Just, <laughs>
0: And she didn't even have to lie. She said she was going to report them for being there without permission.
1: Not that that was not allowed. Which is one of the biggest secrets, I said I do. They imply things. Mm -hmm. They don't outright say it. They allow people to draw connections that don't exist.
0: And we see here now another example then of Nynaeve trying to stick to those
1: three oaths. Twisting the truth rather than outright lying. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the boys are gone now. But Elaine comments, you know, Galad is still going to be a problem. I mean, they want to take care of me. They want to help. They want to protect, which means they're going to be watching. They're going to be around all the time. It's going to be so annoying. And Nynaeve's like, yeah, we're going to to need to figure out another way to keep them out of our hair. I mean, we cannot have them watching us all the time. Now, what is Nynaeve thinking? Why can't they have the boys watching them? Because truthfully,
0: they're watching them. They will either get themselves or the girls literally killed. Why would that be? Something Elaine doesn't know yet. This black Aja hunting business that they have not roped Elaine into at this point is very dangerous water, and the wrong time to just interact or go tell someone something could mean death for
1: literally all of them. Mm-hmm. Big problem. Egwene speaks up then, though, on Galad's behalf. She, do- she doesn't understand why Elaine sees it so horrible that Galad always tries to do what's right. Again, you know, she's a little sweet on him, mostly because he's sweet on her. And uh, it's like, come on, is he so bad? It's nice to feel wanted, okay? <laughs> Elaine just cannot figure out how Egwene doesn't understand. How do you not get this? But she shifts anyways. I'm not going to try to convince you anymore. What she shifts it to is what you ought to do is just pay attention to the good brother. Gowen is sweet on you, too. He's totally fallen for you. Go with that one, because, you know, you hook up with him. It all works out. You guys end up married. We could be sisters. And she's like, Gowen? he's never paid me a, even a, a heartbeat of attention. Why not? Well, it's not entirely true. It's just, you know, when you've got the very
0: pretty boy standing in front and the girl's falling after him... The similarly pretty but not quite as pretty boy standing behind him looks ugly.
1: (laughs) Well, we've also got this issue that where Elaine can't stand Galad, Gawain doesn't feel that way. He looks up to his big brother. Oh, he understands what Elaine does, that Galad will always do the right thing and how annoying that can be sometimes. But for the most part, he's copied his brother in a lot of things. He's learned a lot when it comes to sword play and stuff from his older brother who gave him lessons. He, you know, has the eyes looking up of, oh, about his big brother. So he doesn't have all that resentment. And if Galad is interested in a woman, Gawain is not going to say a peep. That's the whole point here. Elaine is saying, Gawain's sweet on you, but he's never said anything. Because Galad already likes you. That's the whole thing. But I've heard him talk. He's hook, line, and sinker. Head over heels.
0: I don't know that I see the brotherly idolization so much. Like, there's a respect. But, like, there's also the understanding that, yeah, he's a tool. And then there's the further thing of going. To me, the whole Egwene sitch is bro code. But, like, literal brother bro code. Galad called dibs. And Godwin has to respect it right now. Otherwise, he's just like, that's not cool.
1: (laughs) Bro code.
0: (laughs) All right. Listen, you don't screw over your legitimate
1: actual brother. You just, you shouldn't. So point blank, Elaine says, you know, someday when your eyes to die, become green. Make Godwin your warder. Marry him. A lot of greens marry their warders. And this will be awesome. It'll be like that show, Sister, Sister, because they're sisters and they're sisters. So we'll have to just see how that works out down the road. But for now, she's still Gaga for Galad. Now, enough with this relationship mushy stuff. Yeah, let's get to the actual, like, plot. Nynaeve is like, hey, yeah, we've got important stuff to talk about. And now she brings Elaine into the fold under this mission, hunting the Black Aja. Egwene's like, whoa, 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 wait, we're not supposed to talk to her. And Nynaeve is like, okay, yeah, that's what the Amerlin said. But since then, someone tried to kill us. I think that changes things just a little bit. Maybe a little. Yeah. And what she's thinking here is, okay, we knew that Leandrin tried to get rid of us. Elaine was just a tag along. So the Black Aja wasn't after Elaine. Now we're back. And clearly the Black Aja is still trying to get rid of us. So we're going to be watched. It's going to be hard for us to be successful. But if Elaine is working with us, not under that same suspicion, that could really help us a lot. That's what she's thinking.
0: That feels like a weighty assumption, but we're going to go with it for now.
1: Mm -hmm. And then Nynaeve drops a bomb. And this, to me, demonstrates that she's a little quicker and a little less naive than Egwene. It helps. She's a little older. She says... You know, also, okay, all this stuff, Black Aja, yada, yada, yeah. We've also got this stuff with Matt. And I think the Amaryllin might just let him die instead of healing him. Not that she
0: will, just might. Because there's been a lot of interesting phrasings that have been going on.
1: Yeah, Nynaeve paints the picture a little bit. She says, okay, Varen. Varen had said the Amaryllin would see to him. Again, we've already talked in this episode mm-hmm. how the I said I imply things. It, you know, the truth that the, you think that you hear is not necessarily what you hear.
0: And at the end of their meeting with the Omerlin themselves, they asked about Matt and all she said was that she would send word to them. Not of what yeah. or what was happening to him. There was no definitive
1: answer. Yeah, word comes to you. He's dead. Sorry. Also, Nynaeve points out the three oaths. They do not require them to heal Matt. The Aes Sedai have their own purposes. They do not actually take the Hippocratic Oath. No, a Hippocratic one. Ooh. (laughs) But in the end, when the Aes Sedai are working for the greater good of the world as they see it, Matt's just a tool. Something they will use. And if it serves their greater purposes best, they'll let him die without blinking an eye. It might be a shame, but they'll do it. Really, when you think about it, most yellows probably would heal him. Most reds
0: and blues probably would let him die.
1: Yeah. Jordo notes in the Discord, if they had taken that Hippocratic oath of doing no harm, that would change the Aes Sedai a bit. They can't harm in certain situations with the One Power, but boy, they have a lot of latitude to do harm if they believe it's right.
0: Yeah, I mean, do you think doing no harm would apply to Trollocs and Dark Friends? Probably, right? Oh no, kill their butts. (laughs) Could be an interesting hypothetical to run with at some point. Alternate oaths.
1: Nynaeve lays out this case of what she's realized here. It's a pretty callous view of Aes Sedai. That they would just perhaps decide it's best if Matt just dies. Yeah,
0: it seems pretty accurate for some of the things. I mean, (laughs) it's assuming the worst, but we've also seen... While you can't just assume, ah, those tarvalan witches like the White Cloaks do, you also can't assume that they are going to be good. I mean, this entire section here, we've been talking so much about the Black Aja. So clearly, they're just as faulty as everyone
1: else, and just as human. Yeah. Now, Nynaeve takes that, spins that perspective. Okay, this is how they're looking at Matt. They're also looking at us the same way. We are tools, They've put us out to hunt the Black Aja. There's no way they should have made us be the ones looking for the Black Aja. We are so screwed, so behind the eight ball. Are you friggin' kidding me? But Swan even said it You're all I've got. I'm gonna use ya. This is not a good place to be. Nah. So, thinking of Matt again, not sure that he's uh, gonna have a chance to be saved, Nynaeve's like, Okay, we should just go try to save him. I know I tried already myself and I couldn't do it. But we three, we are all very powerful. He's going to die. So what do we have to lose? Let's go together and try to use our power together. Now, holy cow, that's next level Aes stuff she's suggesting here. Yeah, none of them
0: really know what they're doing, especially in that potential context. But they're a little
1: desperate because they aren't sure anyone's going to help Matt. But they don't want Matt to die. Nynaeve grabs her uh, herbs and stuff, the things she's used in the past, to kind of be her channeling focus to do healing. And they're heading to the door when chapter ends with the door banging open and some other Aes Sedai comes walking in. So they are diverted. Luckily, we get a very quick answer about who comes in. Chapter 17 is called The Red Sister. This time it's not Leandrin. So this is obviously like, what's her name? Melisandre? Alessandra from Game
0: of Thrones, Um, that's that's the one, right? You're
1: channeling the wrong series. Sorry, no, definitely not that. Darn. (laughs) I tried. Nope. This is our other favorite Red Sister, Elida Sedai. Elida, who is previously of the advisor to Queen Morghese and Andor. Previously important because we know that no longer is happening and has been uh, Ixnade for the foreseeable future. We've actually heard about Elida a few times. We've run into her before. We first met her back in the eye of the world. (laughs) Discord. Recently unemployed and pissed off. Yep, that's Elida. (laughs) Uh, That was good. We met her when she was still gainfully employed. That wonderful time when Rand was having fun storming the castle. Mm -hmm. Fell over the garden wall. Got escorted in by Gawain and Elaine and... Galad, and a whole bunch of guards to meet the queen. She really gave us the first picture we
0: had of an unpleasant Aes Sedai.
1: Yes. And we get a few reminders of things about Alida right here when ta-da, she's here in their room. One, she's got the ageless face of an Aes Sedai. She's been at it long enough. Again, she's red, Aja. We don't like the red. I mean, I there's gotta be good reds. And eventually, hint hint, you'll meet some good reds. You won't meet that many. There's a lot of ornery, nasty reds. We had a couple really bad
0: examples at the beginning, but bad eggs do not ruin the whole bunch.
1: No, unless you put them into your pancakes, because pancakes. It, it, a few bad ones really ruin the whole batch of pancakes. Just saying. We also see that she's wearing her shawl, and it's pointed out that is not something that I said I usually do. You have your shawl for special occasions, but not just casually all the time walking around. And there she is. She's got her red shawl. Elida, not a very nice person. We get that she's all imperious and abrupt. Her mannerisms (laughs) are rather harsh, demanding. And here she is. Now, why would she have showed up here? She was looking for who? Truthfully, I believe she's actually looking for Elaine right now. Is she not? I disagree.
0: Who's she looking for? Whose room is she at? She's at Nynaeve's, but she's not talking like to Nynaeve at all in this interaction. Her main purpose was coming to talk to Nynaeve. I don't think so. Uh Jordo says in the Discord, oh, yes she it went is. to Elaine's room first. I'm gonna check, because I don't think I'm pretty sure
1: she's here for Elaine, technically. I don't remember that she went to Elaine's room first. I'd have to look that back up. But I think she was here to talk to Nynaeve. Ah, it's his head cannon. Yeah, I I don't think we have anything on that because, yes, since Elaine's here, she ends up talking to Elaine a bit, but her primary purpose was to drill Nynaeve for information on Rand. And we get to that in the midst of this conversation. That's where things get a little deep and tense when she turns it to talk about this other boy, because you're back here with this Matt who's to be healed, but there was another boy from your village. And that's
0: where, ooh. That's fair. She is grilling about (laughs) Rand. The confusing part is Elida goes for the low-hanging fruit. She doesn't go for Nynaeve. She was here for Nynaeve. She doesn't go for her. She attacks Elaine and Egwene with questions. The people who seem a little more young, maybe more timid, less likely to fight back and more likely to give her what she
1: wants. Well, keep in mind, they're novices. They have
0: to do what she says. Well, so does an accepted.
1: Accepted, have a little more authority, a little more autonomy and agency. Wow, three A's in a row. That was pretty good. So yeah, she tries to bully them for some information. She also definitely sets Elaine down, trying to put her in her place, because Elaine has caused so much trouble. Again, unemployed and pissed off. That's Elaine's fault. That's how she sees it. But at the same time, she makes a pretty strong push at Elaine of you, girl, are going to be the first Aes Sedai as Queen of Andor and one of the most powerful in a thousand years. Stop screwing it up. It's pretty much what she says. Now, we know there's more to this that does not come up in this chapter. Mm -hmm. So spoiler light. I'm just gonna say we know there's more to this.
0: It does get like darker and deeper for a moment with Elida straight up asking Elaine, will you obey me? And it's Mm -hmm. like, with Mm a, there's a threat in there. And we'll get to that in a moment of what the perceived threat is. Because, yeah, Elaine hears it. The threat is a suggested, a hinted one. Mm -hmm. Elida's doing the amazing move that most bullies, if they're any good at bullying, will do. And that's that you let your victims come up with what's the worst thing you can imagine actually happening now this sounds terrible that I'm seemingly glorifying a bully the the idea of what is a good bully but it's a villain in a story who isn't so much evil as they are manipulative or petty
1: they remind me of playground bullies now you know what the funny thing is here we are experts on bullies as are I'm sure almost every one of our listeners definitely because we knew a lot of bullies (laughs) we were nerds (laughs) well we didn't do the bullying but we studied many of them
0: (laughs) i think i'm old enough to confess at a young age of like elementary school no i was the bully and i feel bad about it but that changed and then i was the bullied but it's fine uh... i feel terrible I'm a, I was a horrible person.
1: I fixed it. Hey, I was your principal at that point. I remember one particular time. Yeah. Dang, dude, you caused me issues. We're going to move beyond that, though, because you're a good boy now. I fixed it. <laughs> there is a point where Elida is using her bully powers and really corners Egwene. Where, okay, I want to know what you all were doing. And Egwene makes up something... It's an Aes Sedai answer. It's not entirely inaccurate, but basically spins the whole thing as we saved Matt. We had to bring Matt for healing.
0: It's not a very good Aes Sedai spinning. I mean, we see good (laughs) Aes Sedai spinnings. This is not one of them.
1: No, not particularly. And Nynaeve comes in to save her bacon and says, "Uh, excuse me, uh, Elida Sedai. The Ammerlin has said that we're not supposed to talk about this anymore because our punishment has been set and that pays the price and now our transgressions are gone. And she's like, really? Is that what she said? Well, that's interesting. When your punishment has been made public, it's kind of hard to think that your transgressions are just going to be forgotten when everyone knows you're being set down for them.
0: Why make a spectacle if it's meant to be forgotten?
1: Mm-hmm. And as Nynaeve is like, okay, trying to dance around that one now, Elida pushes home. This is where she drops the bomb about, okay, so there's that other boy. You guys said you went because of Matt. What about this Randall Thor? Can you tell me more about this boy from your town? And now Nynaeve's like, okay, three oaths. Live like the three oaths. How do I not tell everything about Rand here? And it's all right, because she's saved by the bell. She is. Because just at that point, the door slams open again. I'm like, these women don't know how to open a door gently. And the doors in the novice quarters and the accepted quarters must be of titanium or something. The hinges are super strong. They also don't know how to knock. (laughs) No, (laughs) no, definitely not. Although, I'm going to just say humorously, that's something Elaine picks up from them. Hint, hint, spoiler light, watch for that. Elaine picks this up from everything she's learning here. I'm willing to spoil here outside of the spoiler room. I don't think there's
0: a lot of knocking and going on in this series. On occasion, but not often. But
1: Elaine is the worst. She causes so much stress and issue for others because she continues to never knock and not just not knock. Burst on in. Yeah, ta-da, I'm here. <laughs> Anyways, back to what we're talking about here today. Indeed. Sherium arrives to save the day. Now, why is Sherium here? We're going to find that out in a moment. Mm-hmm. But first off, Sherium just says she's come to collect Nynaeve. Oh, but I actually need all three of you. So, hey, that's great that you're all here together. Sweet. No one gets left alone. And then Elida says, so Sherium, I've been told by these girls here that the Amaralyn has said their transgressions are to be forgotten. What is that about? And Sherium, smooth as I said, I says, I've always believed that when someone pays for their transgressions with punishment, the faults should be completely erased. Don't you agree? And they just stare at each other. Tension. It's that moment where I feel like there's some
0: underlying fault that Sherium's saying saying, yeah, "Elida, yeah. I know the things you've messed up
1: and we're not talking about those either. Okay. The moment passes and Elida says, oh, uh, of course, of course, excuses herself and leaves the room. And to better understand all of that dynamic, read New Spring, the prequel to The Wheel of Time. We'll get to it in two years. But don't years. read it yet if you're a first time reader. That's right. We'll get there. Once Elida's gone, Elaine exclaims that Alida threatened me. She threatened me because I was being willful and even implied I could be stilled if I don't fall in line. Now, Sheriam says, uh, mm-hmm. Child, I'm sure you misheard. Child, please. If willf- being willful was a stilling <laughs> offense, three quarters of the people here would never make it to Ayesah die. Women have to be strong willed, but they do ha- also have to learn how to practice meekness. But I have a question for you before okay. we talk about that just a little bit more. Okay. I didn't read that in what Elida said. Did you see it? Yes and no. Did you no. sense that Elida actually threatened stilling? Well, here's the
0: thing. Alida didn't specify what she was threatening. Like I said when we were talking about it. She left it very open-ended. So it's not unreasonable for Elaine to jump to the worst conclusion she can think of, which for eyes to die is stilling. However, Elida was not intending that. In fact, I would be willing to hazard a guess Elida had nothing specific in mind. She might have a couple of things in mind, but not settled on one thing that she was specifically threatening. More
1: going, I'll let your mind do the hard work for me. This is one of the techniques that teachers actually learn. I'm an educator by trade that uh, they learn is when you have a child who has misbehaved and if you tell them something like, Oh, wow. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Well, I'm going to need to think about what to do about that. There'll definitely need to be some consequence. And just leave it there for a while? It works. Oh, man, their minds just go to the worst places, and right away they start behaving better. It works fairly well from a parenting
0: standpoint as well, I will say. (laughs) Teachers make pretty good parents, but if you're kind of problematic with behavior as a child, you're not going to like that they're literally educated on how to handle this. You learn
1: quickly not to get caught. What's nice, though, is when you use that technique appropriately, and then you do apply an appropriate consequence, the child often feels relieved. Even as they accept the consequence, they feel relieved that you weren't being nearly as bad as you could have because they're thinking of what they deserve, which always goes worse than what you're actually going to apply. So you end up becoming the good guy at the same time that you're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. It's a good technique. So yeah, she did not bluntly say, I'm going to steal you if you don't get in line. So Sherrym is correct. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's not what happens here. But Elaine was thinking it. Mm-hmm. Sherium, again, though, does note, girls, you have to be able to show proper meekness when required. And they immediately respond, yes, Sherryam, Sadai. And she's like, good, look at that. You can do it. And then immediately Nynaeve blows it, which is hilarious. When she says, uh, um, okay, so Sherryam, what did you do with the body? Habeas corpus. Yeah, what's the problem? How does she blow it by asking that question?
0: Well, she wasn't supposed to tell anybody. And Elaine's standing in the room who wasn't with them by the body.
1: Sherry looks at her and she's like, I can tell she's not surprised at all. You clearly already broke my order to you by bringing her into the information. Hey, but she doesn't technically have proof of that.
0: And technically, Nynaeve's being clever. She didn't tell Elaine here in this moment. She told Sherry and just let Elaine find out by telling Shirium about it. It's very, like, wiggly of logic, but it's technically okay as far as Shirium knows. hmm We're getting very technical in the tower. I, yeah, it's very convoluted politics.
1: Okay, so since obviously Elaine's in the know too, she once again swears them all to silence, because it'll work this time. <laughs> if at first you don't succeed, try the exact same thing again. And then she points out, and if I hear that you've not obeyed me this time, trust me, girls, there is far worse punishment than cleaning pots that I can come up with. Gulp. And again, it's that technique. She didn't say what she would do. No, she didn't. She didn't say a thing. She's doing the same exact thing Elida just did. But okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: Well, nod our heads, smile and wave, all the proper things. They'll do what they have to. Egwene, however, is sitting there thinking, ah, man, it's going to be so much harder to actually like do their jobs, the secret job, the hunting the Black Ajax job. I mean, Shirium's telling him, I'm watching you, and now going,
1: eyes, that's great, watching you.
0: that's fine, I'm glad you're keeping us safe, <laughs> but either you're in danger or you're evil and we're in danger because you're going to see us looking for Black Aja, and then you're going to kill
1: us. Shit. Yeah, like, holy crap. What if Sherium is Black Aja? That goes through their mind now. I mean, she's the mistress of novices. She could like, come be. On. But they don't know. They don't know. Anyone. I mean, Swan said it. She's like, I mean, Moraine, Varin, Sherium, Liana. Mm-hmm. Uh, surely I can trust these people. But I don't know so that's why i'm picking you these people you want to trust you technically can't because you don't actually know right so it's been implied already that sherrym ought to be safe but we can't be 100 percent sure and it's got the girls starting to tip towards paranoia too Where they have to suspect everyone whose name isn't swan well even then and i like and? how do we know <laughs> How do we know Swan
0: yeah. <laughs> isn't putting us up to this as Blockadre herself?
1: Exactly. It could be a setup. How far does the corruption oh, go? man. All the way to the top. They are so screwed. Okay, now we finally get to why Sherryum's really here. She's come to take them to Matt's healing. Turns out there's a tradition in the tower that when someone brings someone for healing, that when the healing is done, those people are to be present. And Egwene, she opens her mouth, sticks in foot, all the way up the knee. Then she is going to heal him. And Sherryam's like, uh, did you have a reason to doubt it? (laughs) Egwene just shakes her head, but yeah. I mean, I mean, no,
0: no, of course we didn't. Yes, yes, we all did.
1: We were just leaving to try to heal him ourselves. Oh, no, she doesn't say that.
0: We all felt pretty confident they were going to let him die.
1: But off they go. We're going to follow Sherryam now right into chapter 18 called healing. And again, we're staying in Egwene's point of view. They're following Sherium deep into the corridors well beneath the White Tower, places people don't usually come. Down here is where the novices are tested before they're raised to accepted. This is also where accepted are tested before they're raised to full sisters and swear the three oaths. This is also where the Angriol, Sa'angriol, and Terangriol are stored, somewhere down here in the lower levels. So do they just keep everything in the dungeon? Pretty much. This. What is this, classic
0: D&D? They're setting it up so that adventurers can come in and try and steal everything? Come on.
1: Down here, thinking of all this stuff, all these places nobody comes to, and wait a second, this is where the secret stuff is stored. Wait. This must be where the Black Aja were when they tried to steal stuff. And we're hunting more Black Aja. What if there are more Black Aja waiting down here? It's a trap. And then the mind really plays tricks. What were they thinking about Sherryam just a moment ago? What if she's Black? Black Aja. It's a trap. What if she's leading them to a trap? It's a trap. Yes. the whole thing. And then Sherryam stops at their destination. And Egwene's mind is so caught up in this that she like practically runs into her and squeaks like, oh, and they all turn and look at her. And she's like, sorry, I, uh, she admits it. I was thinking of the Black Aja. Oh, it was good. She admits why she was startled and Sherryam actually says, child, you don't need to worry about that. She's actually sounding like the kindly mistress of novices, not the punishing mistress of novices at this moment. Because apparently that exists, too. The Black Aja is not something you, as an accepted, soon to be accepted, will have to worry about for years to come. That's for full sisters to deal with. So, relax. Yeah, they won't have to worry about that for years.
0: I would like to point out, she doesn't deny the Black Aja's existence. Which most Aes I Sedai I do do. They've been talking about the Black Aja. They've been doing this. Never in all of this has she once been like, nah, they don't, they don't exist. Like the girls were told most people would probably do. So maybe sherry has been like hunting them
1: for a while. Maybe she knows. sherry in the know. Hmm. She could be a great resource. But then she says, okay, enough now. Into the room and stay against the walls. Keep silent. And here we find Matt. He's laid out on a table. He's still all dressed, except for his coat and his boots. The dagger is still in its sheath at his belt. Nobody wanted to touch it. No, no. Well, that's on purpose. It's a bad thing. The Amerlyn herself is right there at Matt's head. Liana, the keeper of the Chronicles, is at his feet. On one side of his body are four Aes Sedai waiting and ready to do something. And on the other side are three. And Sheriam herself goes and fills in the last spot. So there are ten then I said waiting around to do this now the last time they tried to heal
0: there were four yes when it was in Faldara
1: my mind says five
0: it might have been like a person and four more
1: we had Liana the Moraine Varen and I think Alana again she was up there so I think there was five. four five six it wasn't ten there's more now Our research team with us in the Discord will probably look it up for us. Someone might just know it. They might not have to look it up. I'm thinking there was five. And now we're doubling it. They don't just have double the number. We also see a special Sa Angriol brought
0: out. Ooh! Again, a Sa
1: Angriol. We're not just talking an Angriol. A Sa Angriol is an uber power thing, as you described in our last episode. Let's just think
0: of it as like an angreal. you grab some batteries. A saw angreal. you've got a nuclear power plant in your pocket.
1: Yeah. This is given to the Amarlin. We've got all these ladies around Matt, but the Amerlin is the one who's going to be driving the healing work. Because you don't have 10 different people all putting power into Matt. That's not how it works. They're going to all meld their energies through the Amerlin who's also using the Sa'angriel, so there will be a massive amount of power at play. Now, Egwene looks at these other women. She does recognize some of them besides uh, Sherium, Swan, and Liana. She also sees Varen is here again, and a brown named Seraphel. Now, we met her up at Faldara briefly, though she wasn't part of that original healing. Alana Masfani, the green sister, is here again, and Anaya, the blue sister, who we've met how? We met her a couple different ways um, earlier. Do you we remember? We met
0: her talking with Moraine. We also met her talking with Egwene specifically about dreaming.
1: Yes. They don't know the other sisters that are there, but those are the ones that Egwene definitely recognizes. Egwene also recognizes something else as she looks at these sisters. They look worried. Some of them look concerned. Well, shit. And she's thinking, okay, they're here to heal him. There's 10 of them. And that Sa'angriol that is gotten out, Egwene recognizes it from a lecture on Sa'angriol from objects of power. That is the single most powerful Sa'angriol in the White Tower. Nothing they have will allow them to channel more power than that thing. So they have that and 10 women, and at least some of them aren't sure this is going to work. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it my way. Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> So here we go. They get to observe
0: the healing. So as we go through this, let's talk about what we see, what's described to us. And then I I do want us to go back and see what do we think actually happened? Because I have thoughts, but we have to say after.
1: Oh, interesting. Well, Egwene, Nynaeve, and Elaine, as women who can channel, they can see when somebody else is channeling. So they can tell all 10 of them are surrounded by the power. And in fact, they feel a tug because as the melding begins of this power, Swan is accepting the power from all of these other women. And these three kind of want to jump in. They want to do Mm -hmm. that, too. They don't. Probably a good idea. But they feel the tug. They go ahead and watch that all of this power is being channeled then through Swan, who does whatever she's going to do to Matt. What happens? What do we see? Swan says, this needs to be done very carefully. I'm going to focus very hard because the power needed to break the bond between the dagger and heal its damage is very close to what could kill Mm -hmm. Matt. So we know his life is on a, a knife's edge. Hey, that's appropriate right there, right? On a knife's edge. It's a dagger's edge. Ah, so it begins. And what do we see? Matt begins to shake, twitch, like he's resisting, He even grabs the hilt of his knife, makes a hard fist, grabbing it, hanging on to it. Like he won't let go, but they keep working the power. Swan keeps doing what she's doing. Eventually, Matt's grip on the dagger releases. His back arches. He's like all convulsing from whatever they're doing. And then an interesting thing occurs. He begins shouting at them in the old tongue. Loud and clear, not just like some stuff coming out of his mouth. Bold and clear. He starts yelling at them in the old tongue. Now, Egwene doesn't speak old tongue. She doesn't understand what he's saying. She catches a couple of phrases, including what she's previously learned as the battle cry of Manetherin. Which was the nation that disappeared during the Trolloc mm-hmm. Wars? That is where Emmons Field and the the Two Rivers now yes. is. We've learned and that before. We've heard Matt yell it before. Yes, but he's yelling a whole bunch of other words too.
0: That's just like part like expletives or no, nah, we don't know. It's old tongue.
1: Maybe we don't know. As whatever's happening continues, the dagger pop breaks free of his leather belt. That's terrifying. Rises up in the air above him. That's worse. Matt's eyes pop open at this point. He glares at the Aes Sedai around him and more old tongues bursting out. And then he just screams. It's a roar of rage. It's like, and it just goes on and on and on until we see that Anaya goes and grabs some tongs Mm-hmm. and snatches the dagger out of the air, puts it in a special box, and <sniffs> clamps it shut. And as soon as it shuts, he stops screaming and just drops to the ground again. Collapses completely limp, unconscious. I'm going with the box of the lead line. Whew. Stop the radiation or something. <laughs> We're keeping the kryptonite safe from Superman now. Yes. And at that point, the power blinks out from everyone. The Emerlin says... That will do it. We're done. So is he going to live? She doesn't say that'll do it. Her actual phrase is, it is done. And they can see as they look at Matt, he's not dead. Yeah. He's sleeping. I mean, his, his chest is rising and falling, but he doesn't look like he's been healed. He looks just as bad as he did when they walked into the room. And that's unusual. Mm-hmm. To put it nicely, he looks like shit. Totally. Like week old shit. Oh, you actually said it. I'm not supposed to say that word.
0: I'm proud of you. You're growing. <laughs> this is a great tree. You don't even drink that much it must be strong.
1: <laughs> oh, it's my second one. I pre-gamed. <laughs> uh, happy Labor Day indeed. I got to test them out to be sure they're worthy. Yes. So, Nineve asks, "Is he healed? Will he live?" The Ammerlyn does not respond. Instead, she orders one of the sisters to see Matt back to his room. And uh, a message is sent to get some lifters, the muscle, to carry him out. And Nynaeve, you know, presses again. It's like, uh, come on. Yeah, this is the moment
0: of, we we need an actual answer. We don't want a dodged question. We don't want some half-truth. Give us a yes or a no, please.
1: Sherryum kind of raises an eyebrow at her. And the Amerlin says, well, I don't know if he's gonna live. The bond to the dagger has been broken. Now that was what was really hurting him. That ongoing connection to the Shader Loga dagger. So that's that's done. But they don't know. Nobody has had a connection to something like that and lived as long as Matt did. That's unprecedented. So they have no way of knowing what damage, lasting damage, might have occurred. But there won't be more damage. We can tell you that. That is broken. And I, b- she says, I believe he will live. He just needs rest and as much food as we can cram into his body. Because he's emaciated. He's, I mean, he's starved. Mm-hmm. Now she's saying he should be able to regain his strength and health. Yeah. Just with some rest and time. So long as the regaining doesn't, you know, kill him. Because I mean, this is a, it's a real
0: thing. If you've been starved, 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 you can eat, 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 eat. And that sudden feeling of filling yourself too much can actually kill you. Giordo.
1: in the Discord. We'll see if he survives the radiation poisoning. Mm. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Maybe he'll grow an extra head. Elaine asks, <laughs> well, we won't talk about what his children look like. Mm. Elaine asks then, ah, uh, what was he shouting? And the Amerlin says, well, actually, he was ordering soldiers. And if she was to guess, it was soldiers in a battle that took place 2,000 years ago. Well, that's weird. The old blood comes again. So you say that's weird. I want to know, what are your thoughts about what she's saying here, that the old blood comes again? What do you interpret out of that?
0: Well, on a first read, the best conclusion I could come up with was we're already talking about a dragon reborn who says other people can't be. Don't know what that means. But do we get more main characters? I don't know. This was one of my first dives into books that had many main characters. So Hmm. maybe this was going to be really important. I don't know. And I uh, refuse (laughs) to say more than that right now.
1: Now, our Discord is spouting out here that Elaine, as a noble raised in the court of Andor, ought to have known the old tongue, shouldn't she? And then answering their own questions, saying, maybe she was a bad student. (laughs) And I want to picture Elaine as a bad student. (laughs) I like that. <laughs> not to mention, it's a bad linguistic student.
0: She might know the history, but not the old tongue. It's not very practical to ruling a nation.
1: Nineve wants to know, Okay, I, I heard in what he said, he said something about Aes Sedai. What What was it exactly that he shouted? Swan notes, Okay, for a time, I believe he was somehow back in the old times, with the old blood, and here. Mentally, he was in both places at once. A little wibbly so, wobbly. Yeah, exactly. What you heard was he commanded us to release him, saying, I am a free man, Aes Sedai. I am no Aes Sedai meat. Spoiler light. Remember that phrase? My first time reading, I did not. But that's a very important phrase for this character. Just saying. At that point, Sherry, him. enough with the questions. She steps in. Um, mother, these girls have duties with the pots. And Swan's like, oh, that's right. Off you go. They're like, um, but Matt, he might die. Could could we stay with him just in, you know, to be with him? We don't know no. what's going to happen. She's like, um. no, you may not. And she, no, the Emerlin specifically says you have chores to do, child. And Egwene gets the sense she's not just talking about cleaning pots. You have another job that's more important than sitting by Matt.
0: I don't know, something about uh, an Aja that happens to be a darker color than most. I don't
1: know. That's right. So off they go, heading to the kitchens, leaving Matt behind, who still has not moved a muscle. End of chapter. And for today, we leave them behind. That's right. That's where this episode's going to end. So we do have a spoiler room coming up, but before we jump into that, again, we ask people if you're enjoying this, Let the world know, rate and review us anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also, we would love to hear from you. Tell us what you're thinking. We have an email, fantasyfortheages at gmail.com. It's an amazing few people who ever use that email, but it is there just in case. Mm -hmm. We have lots of people who talk with us. That's just not the way they use it. Email, how do people tend to talk to us, Zach?
0: More commonly, you can come chat with us and with other listeners on our Discord. There's a link in the show notes for this episode and in any of our other episodes. It's a happy place. You can connect with us on our social medias. Twitter is where we're most active, but we also have a Facebook and an Instagram where you can find our drink recipes and a few other odds and ends. If you are enjoying our content and want to support us in another way, perhaps some level of financial way, there's a couple ways that you can do that. Tell them about it, Dad.
1: Well, we uh, have that Patreon page (gasps) where they could specifically send us a little money every month, as little as a dollar a month, and earn some extra benefits, like being able to participate in our live recordings, or if they join some of the higher tiers, they get episodes early, they get some patron-only episodes, or they'll even get merch that we will send to them. Merch? But what if I want merch but don't want to be a patron? Well, we happen to have a merch store for Fantasy for the Ages, and that link will also be available. Right now, you can get your own Fantasy for the Ages coffee mugs or frosty mugs, and they're great. I have them. I love them. So check it out. That's what we have then. So if you're a first-time reader, leave now.
0: (laughs) We love you. Leave.
1: That's right. Get out. Get out, because we're going to spoil a couple of things very, very badly. All right. Let's do it then. You are now entering the spoiler room. I've got my die ready and I've rolled it. And it's not bad, but it's not good. What do you got? That bad? I got a natty one. Wow. I didn't know you could actually roll a one. With oh, these. I roll lots of ones. <laughs> well, I got an eight, which definitely beats a one. Yep. It's okay. My players <sighs> love that I roll ones. <laughs> Okay, so I had a couple of things in mind that I could spoil here, and I didn't write them down. So now I have the problem of trying to remember what was I going to spoil. Well, then I just got to sit here
0: and enjoy (laughs) because I know the things that I might have. But I don't have to say anything. I'm not on the spot.
1: Okay, well, no. The first one comes back to my mind. I want to talk about Elida. Okay. So we've got Elida here, who's so nasty, so, and she's got a stick up her butt. It's, it's bad, but it's for a reason. And for much of the series, as Robert Jordan writes it, you can question what is Elida's issue. But Jordan does a good job of showing pretty early on Elida is not a dark friend. She's not Black Gaja. She's just a misguided person. And so we're seeing her driven by her priorities mm-hmm. here. And her priorities are to be ready for the last battle, to be ready to fight and defeat the Dark One by whatever means necessary, because she has the gift of foretelling. This is what's going on for Elida. She had a foretelling early in her years as an Sedai that the royal house of Andor would be integral to defeating the Dark One at the last battle. Okay. And that translated to her that she needed to latch herself on to the royal house of Andor. Like a leech. Unfortunately, she translated her own foretelling wrong right from the beginning. Because when she had the foretelling, the royal house of Andor was not Morghese. Nope. It was the queen right before her, whose daughter was the one, Tigraine, who runs off, becomes Aiel. Has Rand, on the slopes of Dragonmount, who becomes a Dragon Reborn. It's all about that, right there, the Dragon Reborn. But she doesn't know it. Nope. She's misguided from day one. So everything she does is so driven by pure motives. I mean... But wrong. Depending
0: on what you consider day one, she's misguided since, like, day minus 20 years. Because before these books start... She's been misguided for 20 years.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, Elida is one of the victims of this story. And someone, honestly, we should feel bad for. We should feel horrible for Elida. And yet we don't. She's a jerk and we don't feel bad for her. She 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 deserves her fate. but, But in some ways, she's just as bad as Swan. Just as bad as Moraine. They just happen to be right. Oh, yeah. She was wrong. If she had interpreted her foretelling properly, all of her action might have been something good. Now but that being said she just screwed up. Both the other people you mentioned have moments when they're
0: not jerks. I don't think I remember a single (laughs) moment in these books where Elida isn't. And that includes before she gets any sort of prophecy or anything back in like our prequel book of New Spring. She's a jerk then.
1: You know, there's something to be said for a natural personality. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that was mine. That was my full spoiler. She's here. She's doing all this stuff for greater reasons. It's reasons for good. She's just wrong. Okay,
0: what you got, Zach? Strangely, I had something I was going to spoil, and I decided to change it last minute because I realized during a different part of the episode, we never got back into what I wanted to talk about what was actually going on with Matt's healing. So I will spoil some, but it's going to be a little bit more me just pontificating, standing up on my soapbox, (laughs) and saying what I think. One
1: of those. All
0: right. So it's not going to be like a a crazy radical concept. Many listeners, and like, for example, you, Dad, will have heard something similar. But I'm actually going to bring cancer into this for a moment, because back in the early 20th century... One of the most common ways to deal with cancer, specifically breast cancer, was something called a radical double mastectomy. And it got insane. Basically, doctors would remove as much as they could without killing their patient. Sometimes they were not successful. But it wasn't really about could you get rid of all the cancer, but rather could you surgically remove as much as possible so you made sure you got the cancer. Maybe they were disfigured, maybe they couldn't move their arms well anymore, or they were horribly limited in their lives, but they lived, and the cancer was gone. And I think we're seeing the equivalent with Matt here. Matt is not getting a nice surgical little removal of the dagger's influence. Matt is getting it absolutely seared out of him, and they are destroying any and everything that they can without destroying Matt entirely.
1: Hey, you know, again, they have no experience with somebody who's had a shader Logoth item as long as him. Exactly. It's not
0: that they are doing something overzealous or terrible, but rather they're doing what they can think could save his life. Maybe there is a much better way to do this. However, in the process, the Pattern demands that Matt serve a certain role. The Pattern claimed him as Taviren and needs him to follow a certain line. So when they get rid of as much as possible, what's left is the thread that the pattern needs him to walk. This is true. And so in a sense, they've bored down, stripped away bits of mat, and gone to the Taviran core of what's there, his old blood and what is needed for the last battle, so many other things. And that's what rises to the surface.
1: So go back just a little farther. It's his very Tveran nature that led him to pick up the Shader Logoth dagger. It was necessary. It was necessary.
0: And we are going to the point that I make every time we go here. This book is about balance and not just between men and women. It is about balance between good and evil, dark and light. True, Dark One and Creator are the same person Just two sides of a coin to work and make the universe flow.
1: No, whoa, 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 whoa. He took it there. He took it there. You needed
0: the evil to make the good. (laughs) You
1: needed it to work. This is a necessary case, And that's something we can revisit another time. But for now, I think that's a good place for us to stop. Yes, I agree. Good spoilage, my son, and good episode. Thank you. I thoroughly enjoyed it. This was uh, very entertaining, but this is where we'll leave them for now. (laughs) We'll talk to you next time.